Thank you guys very much. Beautiful guy, yeah, man. Please, please give him a hand. That's, that's just special, man. That's just special. Thank you, God. Beautiful stuff. Man, awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. Let's get a little bit ready here because I'm a walker and I'm also clumsy and I trip a lot. So, man, you're tripping. I said, yep, all the time. So, what's that? Funky walker. That's right, man. That's right. That's right. All right. We're good to see everybody, man. Got a couple of new faces in. Good to see y'all too. Uh, man, I think we have a lot of new faces in, man. Invite people. Bring your neighbors. Bring your friends. It's good. It's going to love it. So if you, are, if you are new with us, guys, if you will put uh, on your Connect card, just give us some information about you. We'd love to give you a, give you a shout. We definitely want to get to know you, know your name, know kind of why God has you here. He has you here for a reason to uh, not only learn, some, for some of us, it's learning about him and who he is and maybe for the first time following him. For some of us, we've got to step into a little bit more of an obedience and to step into a little bit more of what, uh, what God has called us to be, and that is... Uh, he is, yeah, he is our Savior. But this, we, we learned a couple weeks ago that Jesus rose from the dead. Like that ought to give us some serious pause when we think, well, I don't know, you know, I think more of what Jesus would do. Man, it don't matter. Whatever he says to do, we're going to do, right? I, like if you got PhDs that you're following and, you know, kind of listening to some podcasts or some blogs or whatever, and you're like, man, I want to kind of, I like how what they're saying, I'm going to do what they say. Uh, when they rise from the dead, they can, I'll follow them. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you flat out, like this guy rose from the dead, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, and we're still talking about him today, man. So, so I just want to encourage us in those kinds of things. Like the, the things that we're going to talk about today, some of the challenges I'm going to bring up today, we're going to be talking in essence because of a resurrected, glorified Jesus that came in the flesh and made his dwelling among us. The people that were nothing like God, that were nothing like Jesus, desired to be with Jesus. And so if he's in us and we're in him, he, he, we ought, they ought to be, want to be with us too. Those who don't know him ought to want to hang with us, ought to want to be with us. Amen? Amen? So that's important for us to kind of keep those kind of things in mind. Also, we want to know, uh, get to know you a little bit. These sign-up sheets that we pass along the, uh, the rows... Guys, those are important for us for several reasons. We definitely want to get to know people's names. So the more we hear and see people's names, we'll go, okay, I recognize that name. Or we pray for those names. We pray over those names. And we do, I mean, it's, it's an important piece of what we do. So we want to get, like, repetition. Somebody asked me uh, recently, how do you remember people's names? I'm like, repetition. If I see it, if I stalk them on Facebook and I catch it, you know, and I get a name with a face and all that kind of stuff, like, it's, it, like it's important to me and it's important to us because God knows you we want to know you and that's how we that's how we roll it's one of the visions that God has laid on us that we know you know your name and you know that you are known it's uh one thing for me to say hey, what's up Kyle you know but it's nothing if I tell somebody hey there's Kyle Kyle didn't know if I know his name or not but I say Kyle what's up baby he goes he knows right amen and that's kind of how we how we want to roll because that's what it means to be in fellowship what it means to get to know one another. So we are asking people to open up homes and open up your tables and invite people over you may not know. We ask people when we shake people's hands that you try to find somebody you do not know. In fact, I think one of the one of these mornings we're going to be like, if you know somebody, don't shake their hand, right? Like, get to know somebody. Like, it's important for us. You never know lifelong friendships uh, that can develop because of uh, what we do here on Sunday mornings. And so that's why it's important for us to bring people. It's why it's important for us to invite people and ask people to, to get here. Amen? 
Amen. Well, it's good to see you guys this morning, man. We are in this third third week of the series called I Need a Miracle. And I mean, I love what God has done so far in this in this series. If you don't know, we uh, the very first uh, week that we did this it was Easter weekend and we had lots and lots of folks put prayers on the curtains back there. If you take a look at them. Man, we are continuing to pray for those things. And as people, well, yeah, thank you for the modeling of that. And so as people get their prayers answered, we're asking them to take them off. And so, man, it's a, it's cool. It's good to see. We've had some, it's not as many as there were. And so there, there's still quite a few uh, uh, prayers that we're at, uh, miracles, in essence, that we're asking God for that we have uh, penned up on the curtain there. And uh, like I said, not quite as many as there were. But what we did was we introduced this on Easter for a reason is because if God, Jesus, who came as God, who was God that came in the flesh, made his dwelling among us, can rise from the dead. I think he can handle our problems and handle our issues and handle our marriages and handle our uh, health and handle our finances and all those kinds of things that we're praying for miracles for. And last week we talked about uh, Bartimaeus, who was a blind beggar, and we talked about the fact that he was saying, God, as, as Jesus and his caravan of homeboys was walking past, and all these people were walking past, he was saying, son of David, have mercy on me. And people were like, shut up, dude. He's got bigger fish to fry. Don't bug him, right? But Jesus said, hey, come, come to me, right? Come over here. Like, he, he took part in the miracle, and he ultimately gave Bartimaeus his sight, and, and, you know, that's the thing that we are kind of talk about today. Like, what's our role in this miracle? Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with us. Some of us are praying for a miracle to happen, and we're walking in the opposite direction. That's, that, that doesn't make sense to God. It doesn't make sense to me. But over and over, when Jesus performs a miracle, and not every time, there were times, guys, when just being in the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, was so thick that everyone got got healed but whenever there's a specific account of jesus healing someone jesus asked that person to participate in it in essence when somebody is when he heals the guy that can't walk he says pick up your mat and walk even when he re, he like revives um lazarus from the dead and and he's been dead for days right and even the people like don't open that tomb because it's gonna smell right like he, he says Lazarus come out and he says the same thing to Bartimaeus Bartimaeus what do you want me to do for you come come here and what we learned last week is that we're to come to the Lord as a, as a child like a and not as an immature person but as a child like there's no that we just desire to be with Jesus the one that fulfilled all the prophecies yes rose from the dead yes but the kind of Jesus that is not the Baptist Jesus or the Catholic Jesus or the Presbyterian or non-denominational Jesus or the hippie Jesus or the radical rebellious Jesus but the Jesus that actually walked among us and was a great man a friend of sinners crazy stuff things that we don't even think about we think of people that are in sin-filled stuff and we go oh man those people are jacked up Jesus went to those people and they wanted to be with them not because he was going y'all need to quit doing that but because they he was sharing with them the truly reckless love of God amen and I love that I love that they so if we're in him and he's in us then people that are nothing like God ought to want to be with us amen New City Church this is a, an important piece of our understanding and our walk 
with the Lord. And today what we're going to do is we're going to challenge one another to step into that fellowship a little bit more deeply. And like, like, like here's the thing. If Jesus is saying over and over in his scripture, and whenever he performs miracles, we have a, they, the, those that were healed had a part in that, then why should we expect anything different? Why would we ever ask God for a miracle, hang it up on the curtain, and then walk away as if nothing ever happened? Well, I hope that happens one of these days. That'd be kind of nice, you know. No, it's like let's participate in that. Let's like, step into that. And what we'll see is that this is the same occurrence over and over in the in the New Testament and the and the Old Testament. So one of the reasons why I'm asking people when you come here this afternoon at five, like if you want to pray, man, awesome. If you want to come in and just pray for those who are being prayed for, awesome. If you want to come in and just pray for like like the, those who are uh, those who are praying for others, that'd be great. That'd be that'd be fantastic. And if you're coming in and you want to pray for a miracle, we're going to ask you to step into that next step, whatever that is. For some of you, if you haven't been baptized, we're going to ask you to be baptized. I mean, it's that next step. If you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. We're like, well. I'm not saying that God won't or can't perform a miracle, but sometimes he is going to wait on us to take that next step. He said, yeah, and this is what we're going to talk about, for example, in Exodus 14. Exodus 14 is the second book of the, uh, the Old Testament. You know, you've got Genesis, which is talking about how God, was create, how God created all the earth and kind of the establishment of his people. Exodus is uh, basically the, and I'm starting to read Exodus in my personal reading now, where the Israelites were basically slaves of the Pharaoh in Egypt, and they were abused, and they were, you know, that was just a really tough situation. And God heard their prayers, heard their calls, heard their cries, and said, okay, I'm going to ask you to step out of Egypt, and I'm going to lead a guy, or a guy, a guy named Moses is going to, going to lead you guys, and he's going to take you out of Egypt. And so they could have stayed, right? And and all, like not seen all the miracles and I don't know if some of the Israelites may have stayed, you never know, but it does say that they he said, "Okay, I'm going to have Moses lead you out." But guess what they had to do? They had to start walking. Right? And so in Exodus 14, we're going to start seeing like they after all this abuse and after all this slave uh, like the slavery that they were under, and, and the Pharaoh was just abusing the snot out of these guys. They were being, they were allowed to, to leave. And then Pharaoh was like, oh, I can't let them leave because that's really great labor, right? What are, the, what are my people going to think? And how are we going to get all this stuff done? That we, How are we going to build these pyramids or whatever, right? And so they're, as they're leaving, uh, as, in Exodus 14, starting in verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians coming after them. Then the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us to die in the wilderness? And that's pretty sarcastic. I mean, you think about it. I mean, they were just got through griping about all the stuff that they had to deal with in Egypt. And now they're going, Moses, what have you done to us, man? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? They didn't, by the way, but this is what they're saying. I, I think we told you this already, didn't we, Moses? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. No, you didn't say that, right? But that's what they were, in their mind, going, it would have been a lot better back there. You know, Moses, what you doing? You're going to kill us out here, right? Why are you going to let us stay? Out? You should have just stayed. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. 
But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. He will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be, man, that's not like, that's not a very popular thing for a preacher to say, right? Hey, y'all just need to shut up, right? <laughs> like seriously, quit your belly aching and be quiet, right? Don't be afraid. Let's step into this. It's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. Let's roll. Hush your mouth, right? I mean, that's just kind of kind of like, who would want to follow a guy like that, right? But this is what this is what's so amazing. Because in the very next verse, in verse 15, we get God's perspective. Here's what, like Moses is leading his people. They're all grumbling. And then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? That's a hard thing for Moses to hear, I imagine, right? Why are you belly aching to me, dog? Think about this. Dude, you're their leader. I mean, we cry out to God about the miracles that we want in our lives so many times. And God's like, why are you talking to me? He's waiting for you to take that next step. He's waiting for Moses to take this. Listen to this. This is amazing. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. God did not just part the Red Sea and say, oh, there you go, guys. Woo right, right? No, no. You tell them to shut up. <laughs> Break camp, you lift up the staff, and I will part that Red Sea. Like, there's this participation he has and expects whenever he performs a miracle. Any miracle in here is like, there's, there's a participation for our part in that. That's amazing, right? And this, this whole parting of the Red Sea, a lot of people think it's like a creek and it sort of dried out. And it was this bad. No, there were walls of water on both sides. That's a scary thing. Like, uh, God, you sure? You sure? Now, how am I going to talk to people about going through that, right? This is a wall of water parted on each side. And Jesus, God said, Jesus, who's God in the flesh when he came, I'm going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them, and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army, and his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am Yahweh. I will receive, when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And many of us know that the Israelites passed through on dry ground. The Egyptians like, oh, we can't let them go. They passed through like, all right, well, if they did it, we can. And all of a sudden, God just let, let, let the waters go and killed all the Egyptian army, man. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. That's a miracle. But the Israelites had to shut up and go do it, right? That's incredible to me. Like, like what, where is it written anywhere that Jesus will just perform miracles? Now, I know it's, uh, some people say, well, God helps those who help themselves, and they'll use passages like this to, to, to qualify that, but that's not true either. God helps those who can't help themselves, but he expects us to walk in step with that miracle. Amen? For some of us, we haven't taken that first step. We haven't said, you know what? I have not accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior not, 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 some of us have, have accepted that, but really haven't accepted him as Lord. We've taken the salvation, but haven't walked in step as, he, as if he's the boss. This guy rose from the dead, he's the boss, right? 
Amen? This happens in the Old Testament. It happens in the New Testament. But my question is, are you waiting on a miracle to move you instead of you moving into your miracle? It's a big difference there, isn't it? Over and over, when miracles happen, Lazarus, come out, pick up your mat and walk, reach out your hand. What do you want me to do for you? Come to me, right? Even in the Old Testament, New Testament, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. It's, it's this participation. It's not like he's God, he's going to do it all. He has all the power, yeah. But if we're in him and Him, he's in us, we're going to step into that power, aren't we? A lot of people say, well, I healed, and I can do this, and I can do this, and I can perform miracles. Man, do you remember on the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, on that day, talking about the last days, there will be people that will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we perform miracles? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Right? And they're doing it in their own strength and not on his. So it is a, yeah, his power is powerful, and it's powerful like it, absolutely, but ultimately, we've got to step into the obedience to experience the power and experience miracles. Even in Jesus' own hometown, because of the familiarity, and I think that's part of our issue, like everybody has heard the name of Jesus in our country, so it's not a big deal to have an Easter and an Easter egg hunt and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, yeah, we celebrate the resurrection. It's lost its awe, and Jesus can't perform miracles. I, I mean, that's it, even in his hometown, but, hey, isn't that the carpenter's son? And he couldn't perform very many. I think that's kind of happened in our culture too. But man, when we start stepping into obedience, wow. We'll start experiencing some of this stuff that they did 2,000 years ago. I don't remember an expiration date on the Holy Spirit's power. It's not written anywhere. Healing. Raising of the dead. I mean, it sounds crazy and stuff like that. I'm not trying to be one of those guys like, hey, let's wheel up people on the wheelchairs. and let's put it. No, it's not like that. But why can't we experience that stuff? It's our unbelief. And it's our lack of faith, and it's our stepping into some of this obedience that we need to step into. Amen? My brothers and sisters, this is important for us to see this. Mark 6, starting in verse 30, Jesus is walking with his disciples, and they're exhausted. They're tired. They're, they're, I mean, that's one of the things I love about Jesus. He experienced all the things as God who comes in the form of a flesh and empties himself and humbles himself, in essence, and becomes a person to experience things like exhaustion and diarrhea and allergies, right? And temptations and having to pee. Really, I mean, I think you think it's crazy, but this is Jesus. This is who God is. He wants us to know. He knows it all. Yeah, I've experienced it too. Yeah, I've been tempted not to. Yeah, I've been tempted by even the devil himself. And yes, I've experienced those things. I'm with you. Let's go. Amen? Love it, boy. I love him for that. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. So he felt hungry too. So they went away in the, in the boat by themselves to a remote place. But many saw them leaving and recognized them. People ran there by land from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. So as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he began to teach them many things. When it was already late, his disciples approached him. They were hungry. He was hungry too, but he still taught. They approached, his disciples approached him and said, 
This place is a wilderness, and it's already late. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. There was a lot of, this, a lot of stuff going on here that, that, that culturally speaking, in essence, these sheep without a shepherd were asked to go into the wilderness by themselves, which was a dangerous thing to do. This was a selfish thing. This was like that. But the disciples looking that, hey, we can't take care of all these people. What are we going to do? Jesus, I guess the practical thing, the non-miraculous thing, the non-God-filled, Holy Spirit-driven thing will be to send these folks out on their own and get themselves something to eat. But look what Jesus says to them. Next verse. You give them something to eat. He responded. And they said to him, should we go, I love this, I love this. Should we go and buy 200 denarii? I think it's how you pronounce it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Denarii, which is, some people, somebody told me recently it was like close to $20,000. I mean, if you got a group of 12 guys that got 20 grand among them, I want to hang with those guys, right? But they didn't have it, right? Like, they, they think about this, 12 guys who were hungry already, and they said, Jesus, I mean, this is going to cost some money. There were 5,000 men counted, which we'll find out here in a second. That's just the dudes that were counted. That did not include the children. It did not include the wives. There were up to 20,000 people there. Wow. Jesus, that's going to cost 20 grand to feed all these people. Man, the restaurants do not take charity, bro. Amazing. You give them something to eat. Jesus, I'm looking at the zero sum. I ain't got enough. Right? Man, uh, is there an ATM nearby? I might be able to get 20 bucks. $20,000? I don't think so. Should we go and buy $220,000 worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. <laughs> Love this. He didn't say, hey, don't worry about this. I got this. I'm Jesus, right? You've seen me raise people from the dead. You've seen me heal all kinds of people. You've seen me poof, right? You've seen me pull a coin out of a fish's mouth, man. Don't worry about this. I got this, baby. Don't you forget who I am. He goes, no, you go look. <laughs> How cool is Jesus, man? This dude is straight up gangster, man. When they found out, they said five loaves and two fish. <laughs> and then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties, and then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, listen to this, he blessed and broke the loaves. And he kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. Can you imagine this scene? Bless, boom, there you go, Peter, there you go, John, there you go, man, go, get them, go. And they're coming back for more. He's like, where's he getting all this stuff from? Man, he's God performing a miracle, but he's got to have his people participate in this. You go give them something to eat. You go take these to these people. What do you have? Go look. Wow. He blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate 
and was filled. Wasn't like, hey, ration that. We ain't got enough. We only got five of those two fish. Just take a little bit of nibble, right? Oh, man, have your fill. It's incredible. Everyone ate and was filled. Then they picked up the 12 baskets full, picked up 12 baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. There was so much left over. They were just slobs, right? It was a, I mean, it was a buffet. Now, those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men, and as I said before, up to possibly 20,000 people or more. In times of trouble, guys, we'll pray things, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into this mode, and even we'll have a health issue or a financial issue or a marital issue or, or whatever it is or something going on at work, and we'll say, God, God, Jesus, please take this away from me, right? We'll even say, and I was told not to sing, but I got to, baby. Jesus, take the wheel, right? Sorry. Pete's like, that's my job, bro. You're preaching in a few weeks anyway. It's cool. Or something like that. Take this off my shoulders, God. Fix this, God. And we'll sit there and say, God's my co-pilot. No, he ain't, man. That dude's the pilot. He's the driver. I'm in the backseat. You take me where you go. Don't just take the wheel, man. I never had it, right? But we got to get in the car, don't we? He can't take us for a ride unless we get in the car. Jesus, send them home. There's nothing to eat here. Finances are jacked. Take this problem away from me. And Jesus is like, figure it out. Take this step. We'll take one step, he'll take one with us. Right? Another step, we'll take one with us. Another step, we'll take one with us. But too many times we're praying for this miracle as if he's a genie. Right? We'll rub that Bible. Boom. Right? You have three miracles. No. Nothing like that. He's our boss, but he's our friend and our brother at the same time. This is crazy. Man, he has this desire for us to experience his miracles. And he says, you go look. You come to me. You come out. Pick up your mat and walk. What do you want me to do for you? Come here. And that's our job, is to step into that command of his. We've got to talk less and listen to God more. Like my, one of my mentors, Mike Grubbs, I got a lot of people yelling at me every month, <laughs> at least sometimes every week, because I, I want to make sure I'm doing things right, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm leading well, but ultimately I want to make sure I'm following Jesus well. And he told me there's three biblical types of correction. First is Revelation. Where God shows you something that you did not know, and that's good. When you pray, say, God, would you do this? And he says, hey, have you thought, do you, have you understood this? This happens a lot when you're reading your scriptures. That's why I tell people, if you're having trouble understanding what God says, go to where God says what he says and read it. And if you're looking for a plan of some kind, well, I don't know, what, where do I start, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of places to start. But one of the greatest ways to do it is go to Genesis 1, which is the beginning, and just read. Right? But you can start in the book of John. It's awesome. Matthew's good. I love James. 
somebody's trying to figure out, man, what's this Christian walk really like? The book of James is awesome. But no matter where you start, go start and find out what your alarm is. <laughs> That's probably my car. Second thing is admonishment. Where God provides a gentle correction. Hey, you're going here? You may want to go here, guys. Um, Jesus is not the not this this accusing, dictatorial, angry leader. He's like, hey, <laughs> don't put your hand on the stove. Let's be careful with that, right? And then there is the rebuke where God gives a harsh correction. Are you kidding me? You did this again? Really? Hey, do we need that sometimes? That's okay. If you're a parent, don't you have to do that with your children sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. But not all the time. Sometimes it's a, hey, did you, ever, did you know this? <laughs> you got seven, seven times, right? <laughs> Talking to the Cunningham's got seven sons. It's awesome. But sometimes you've got to have a, a gentle correction. Sometimes it's, a, it's an admonishment. Hey, hey, don't do, don't, don't do that again. Sometimes it's like, son, don't do that no more, right? And it's all right. That's what we want from our father. Because when we're hard-headed and knuckle-headed, we want him to bring us out of that. Because we're praying for miracles, and if we refuse to step into that, I'd rather be like rebuked by God tremendously and experience his miracles than for him to leave me alone and never experience them at all. Amen? And that's where we want to step into this all the time. Here's what I want us to, to understand. When we start asking and praying for God to do different things, and he looks at us and says, what do you have? Go take a look. Jesus will take it. And Jesus will bless it. And Jesus will break it. And Jesus will give it away. And people will be satisfied and filled. Even in Psalm 51 where David commits adultery and murder and stealing and all of, he busts out all the top ten just about commandments in a matter of just a chapter or two. And he comes to repentance and he says, if you restore to me the joy, if you bring, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation and I will teach transgressors your ways and they will turn to you also. It is not just for us. It is for his glory so that other people will know him. Amen. And here's what I want us to do when you write these things down next. Because just like Jesus will take what we ask and break what we ask and bless what we ask and give those away. Jesus will also take me. Jesus will bless me. And you. Write down me, because this is a letter to yourself. Jesus will break me. Be ready for that. That's hard. And Jesus will give me away. Because it's not about me. It's about him. It's about his glory and his kingdom that we pray for to come. And your life will satisfy others. When we come in tonight... This I need a miracle intentional prayer service. Some of us just need to come in and just sit with the Lord and pray.
maybe for the first time ever. And you need to take this first step of obedience and be baptized. No reason to wait. And then we want to let God do his thing. Let him break it. Let him bless it. Let him take it. It's out of order. Let it be a blessing to other people. Let me be a blessing. Let you be a blessing to other people. So that the kingdom that we pray for to come can come. We're gonna, we don't do this very often. But there has been a requested song. It's an old song by Switchfoot, and I love this song. The lead singer, John Foreman, said this song was written because it's an attempt to honestly face the gap between who I am and who I am supposed to be. Between the way the world spins and the way it should be. And so I think God is daring some of us to make a move. That we're no longer going to just pray for the miracle. We're actually going to move toward the miracle. And so this song, I Dare You to Move, as Pete sings this, as a, and ask yourself, where do I need to move? Where's God telling me I need to move next? Father, we love you. And as we finish our service here in a few minutes, Lord, may we, may you dare us, both collectively as a body of believers and individually as, as believers in you and followers of you, to actually move where you want us to move and go where you want us to go and do what you want us to do because you're the boss. And you're not the boss because you're a historical figure. You're a boss because you rose from the flipping dead. That's crazy. And out of that, we follow you, God. Your son's precious and amazing and risen name we pray. Everybody said.